0: What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome back to the In All Kinds of Weather forecast. Been a bit of a layoff since the last show we did, but we are still here. We are still very much alive and well, and we're ready to talk a little bit more about the Florida Gators. Once again, I'm your host, Neil Schulman. You can follow me at all kinds weather on Twitter, at all kinds weather blog on Instagram and on YouTube and Facebook under the name In All Kinds of Weather. My co-host Dustin Smith, also with me today. You can follow him on Twitter at IAKOW Dustin. My other co-host Chris Yanes also with us today. You can follow him on Twitter at Mr. Crispitz. So guys, been a while. How are we doing?
1: Doing pretty good. Hope everybody had a, a good uh holiday season and and is uh recouped for a fantastic 2023.
2: Yeah, doing great. You know, I mean, in the uh, in the football world, you know, we'll, we'll get to it. A little, little, little salty about, about something. But life is good. Uh, working hard. Um, getting things done. So can't complain.
0: That's all well and good, guys. Um, same on my end. Life is good. I'm actually going to be moving from New Jersey down to Charleston, South Carolina in a couple of weeks. So that may put another hiatus on pods for a little bit, but after that is all taken care of, we'll be back and, and rolling out the content pretty regularly uh, moving forward. But before we go any further, quick word about our sponsor slash partners. We are proudly partnered with the Gator Good Foundation, a nonprofit organization that sends underprivileged Gator fans to the swamp. We collect donations from fans and use them to bring someone to his or her first ever Gator football game. If you believe you or someone you know is worthy of the honor for 2023, please email us at GatorGoodFoundation at com. Donations are always very much appreciated, so if you'd like to donate to our cause, please go to GatorGoodFoundation.com and click on the Donate button. Second, we are proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting in your marketing and deliver results that will wow your clients. Whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, here are three great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. One is it is a veteran-owned business. You can't think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving the business. Two, it is run by a UF alum and diehard Gator fan. Three, I can personally vouch for them because they did the new In All Kinds of Weather logo, the new In All Kinds of Weather website, the new Gator Collective logo, the new Gator Collective website, and the Gator Good Foundation website. And they've got plenty more Gator-related stuff coming up on the horizon. So if you're listening to the show and you need help in any of the aforementioned areas, rest assured that Stingray Branding will more than take care of you. To view their services and rates, go to stingraybranding.com. Guys, we got a couple things to talk about today. We have our main point of discussion actually coming on the podcast to talk about it a little bit more. And Cameron Jackson, a new Florida Gator defensive tackle. We signed him via the transfer portal from the Memphis Tigers. A couple other transfers to talk about that the Gators got from the transfer portal in recent days and weeks. Got to Raja Mitchell, linebacker from Ohio State. We got his former rival actually another Big Ten linebacker, Deuce Spurlock from the Michigan Wolverines. We actually got a high school commitment as well from offensive lineman Caden Jones at the All-American game. And we got offensive lineman transfer Micah Maskuwa from the Baylor Bears. So a couple of nice pieces for the Gators there. We'll talk about those. We'll talk about the unfortunate reality of the situation that the Georgia Bulldogs are currently facing the dominant superpower in the sport of college football. Uh, I guess actually we'll start there. It's probably the easiest place to start. Guys, uh, it sucked having to watch that. Georgia putting a 65-7 beatdown on TCU. In fact, that is not only the largest beatdown in the history of the college football playoff, not only the largest blowout in the history of any national championship game period, that is the largest blowout in the history of college football bowl games ever, and it happened in a national championship game that Georgia did to TCU. So what do we take away from this? Should TCU have been there? I mean, everyone knows my thoughts on this because I'm very vocal on Twitter about it, but what do you guys think? Should TCU have been there, and and what do you make of Georgia just uh, be, becoming the new Bama?
1: Well, Neil, we, we talked about it when we previewed the playoff, and we said that the college football playoff committee has to make a decision on whether or not they want the best Four teams or the four most deserving teams. And clearly they went with the latter, and they saw the result here. And had Alabama been there, or even Tennessee, another team that had a very good season, played an amazing Orange Bowl, I don't think the result would have been the same at all. I mean, hell, Florida was within 22 points of this team on a neutral field. So I I really do believe that, you know, no disrespect to TCU, but the talent disparity clearly showed, I think that they're – The victory over Michigan was a little bit of a fluke. Had Michigan won that game, I think that game against Georgia is much, much closer. I think Georgia probably still wins, but it's certainly not a 65-7 historic blowout. And just kind of talking about what this means for college football and what it means for Georgia, Georgia is the king of college football now. They've set the new standard. And until somebody rises to the top and, and is able to knock them off, there's certainly some programs out there that are recruiting at their level and, and we'll be able to compete with them in the years to come. But right now they're rolling and, you know, they have a lot of pieces coming back next year. Historically, it's very difficult. It's never happened. I don't think in college football for a three-peat. If I'm not, if, if it has, it's been a very long time, but, you know, it certainly is within the realm of possibility that it could happen. Georgia is just really that good right now. They are a dynasty in the making and unless, Our team is able to rise up and defeat them or some sort of sanctions come down on that program, that train is not going anywhere anytime soon.
2: Yeah, Chris, we live in the unfortunate reality that Georgia is a college football power and Florida is simply in the background uh, hoping that we can one day be like the Alabamas and now the Georgias of the world. And unfortunately, Florida is not there. Florida certainly has a rebuild on their hands and a long way to go. And, you know, just real quick, I'm, I'm taking back to the, uh, the mid 2010s where Florida, both Florida and Georgia were faced with a coaching change. Of course, Georgia replaced Mark Rick with Kirby Smart in Florida replaced Will Muschamp with Jim McElwain. Now, both two different years when that happened. Um, But if you look back, I mean, Jim McElwain was a former offensive coordinator for Alabama, Kirby Smart being a former defensive coordinator for Alabama. Both coaches coached under Nick Saban, but obviously we know how Jim McElwain ended up and we know how uh, Kirby Smart is currently, uh, he's, he's currently, you know, up there with Nick Saban as one of the best coaches in college football. And he's done it in a lot less time too. So we have seen over the last five years, a massive uh, change ever since that 2020 game where Florida beat Georgia. Um, thanks in, in part to the, uh, the, the fantastic play by Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask in, in that game. Um, Florida and Georgia has not been competitive since. And my fear is that it's not going to be competitive for a long time if we don't get things figured out on both the recruiting trail um, and in other spots. So that's my thoughts on the whole the whole madness. I
0: think we've got to get better. I think that there's going to be a, another day where we can go into this in a lot more depth and we'll point fingers more if, if it comes to the point where we have to do that. But right now, let me just say – A semi long time ago, meaning about six, seven, eight years ago, it was not one day. It was not one week. It was an aggregate effect of frustration building up over a period of time. But in a period of time, about six, seven, eight years ago, frustration, disappointment, anger, humiliation, and just plain a sense of being fed up, rose up through that Georgia Bulldog fan base, through their donors, through their boosters, through their alumni, through their administration, where they just said, no, nope, we're done with this. We're not going to deal with this any longer. We are tired of Florida coming in and spanking us. We are tired of being good, but not great. We are tired of nine and three slash 10 and two seasons being hailed as another great season. We're tired of, oh, so close. We're tired of, oh, if only that ball didn't get tipped in the SEC championship game, we would have beaten Alabama and gotten to smack Notre Dame around for the national title. We're tired of the play like the Terrence Edwards drop in 2002 against Florida. We're tired of these close but no cigar Seasons. We are sick and tired of it. We are going to build a monster of a program that is going to win national championships in good years. And in bad years, we'll still make the New Year six. We'll still win the SEC East. We'll still compete with Alabama as they did in 2017 under Kirby Smart. We are going to build an absolute machine. That is going to stop at nothing to achieve the results that we as Georgia Bulldog fans believe that we deserve to see from our favorite football team. We're going to stop at nothing. And the boosters, the donors, the alumni, the administration, the fans all worked in tandem to make this happen. Fast forward to 2023, January of 23, Georgia has just gone back to back. They came really close to a third national championship under Kirby Smart. Like I said a minute ago, their bad years, their quote-unquote bad years have been, we're not going to count his first year, 2016, uh, the, the Liberty Bowl against TCU where they lost to Vandy on their home field. That That's his first year. We're not going to talk about that. That's, that's, that's the anomaly. They have a Sugar Bowl win over Baylor, a Sugar Bowl loss to Texas, a Peach Bowl win over Cincinnati, and a national championship game loss to Alabama on 2nd and twenty-six. That is the dynasty. That is the absolute monster of a machine that the Georgia program has built. The Florida Gators are not incapable of doing that. The Florida Gators have the alumni, have the donors, have the boosters. We have the resources, more important than anything else, boils down to one thing. We have the resources to replicate what Georgia did. These pieces do exist. I do not believe we have other pieces that are required to utilize those resources to build a comparable machine to what Georgia has built. I'm not saying it could be done in a year or two. I think, I think Georgia maybe got a little bit ahead of schedule with their, their national championship game appearance in, in year two of Kirby Smart. But Florida has no reason why they cannot compete with the Georgia Bulldogs on a yearly basis. And at some point, I do believe that the Florida boosters, the donors, the alumni will get together and they'll say, no, we're sick of this. We've had enough We're not going to take no for an answer. We're going to do what it takes to make the Gators the dominant force in college football that we believe that they deserve to be. It's not happened yet. And I think until it happens, I mean, Billy Napier is doing what he can. He's doing his part. Katie Turner is doing her part. Those pieces are great. You know, the recruiting staff we've got, I think a lot of the players that we brought in this year are going to be tremendous assets in our quest to do it. But there need to be other pieces, again, we'll we'll talk about them in more detail later on, but there need to be other pieces that work in tandem with the rest of the pieces that we've currently got working on this solution if Florida is going to build a program that does what it is supposed to do. There are some things that are working. There, There are some components to a championship caliber program that are working right now in Gainesville. There are some others that are not, and that is what is holding us back. Now, as for, I mean, the thing you talked about, Chris, with TCU you know, not, not being a match for Georgia, I think it's very difficult to argue that they were one of the four best teams in the country. I think that Michigan gave them a gift by just handing them that game. And even still, Michigan almost won. I mean, how, how many times has it happened that you throw two pick sixes and you nearly win the game? I mean, well actually Michigan actually did that against Florida in 2017 in that, in that Dallas disaster. But that the point is that's extremely rare that doesn't happen very often. So Michigan throws two pick sixes and just hands TCU 14 points and still almost wins is a pretty good indication that it wasn't so much TCU winning that game as much as it was Michigan losing it. And TCU deserves credit for the season they had. It wasn't a team that, you can look at it and say, okay, this resume tells me that that they are really going to give Georgia a fight. But it was a respectable year for sure to be picked seventh in the Big Twelve and you know come back to the point where they're in the Big Twelve title game, which by the way they did not win. So CFP people who want to pick teams based on did you win your conference championship, you can't say that about TCU. But. It was a good season for sure, a respectable season for sure. It does not mean that they had any business being in that final four-team field. I know that they beat Michigan. It does not matter. That was an anomaly. They were not one of the four best teams in the country. You cannot watch that Georgia game and make a rational argument to the contrary. So – That's that. It's over with. It doesn't matter whether they should have been there or shouldn't have. It doesn't matter how the committee picked it. They were there. You know, it was TCU on that field. Georgia bludgeoned them, and they are the national champions. And that's going to go down in history. We have to deal with that. And I guess one way that we can deal with that is uh, recruit and get the next wave of players that can go out and combat that. So, first, let's talk about deuce spurlock a linebacker transfer that we got from the michigan wolverines through the transfer portal uh we'll be brief on this because we're actually going to be talking to one of those new gators that we just got in a few minutes cameron jackson but before we get to him let's talk about deuce spurlock and let's talk about Caden jones spurlock first chris um how big of a get was this to you and what does he bring to the gators
1: yeah, I think this is a really good gift for the program. What I really like about this is that he's got four years of eligibility left. So as many know, we only got one high school prospect at the linebacker position and Jaden Robinson. Sparlock comes in with four years of eligibility. So it's like getting a high school product who's already spent a year in a college program in Michigan. You go look at his high school tape, as I mentioned uh, in my article that I wrote for the site. I invite you all to go read that. You know, it's it's pretty good. He was an athletic player at high school, played wide receiver, and he was constantly a menace in the backfield. He also, you know, he made plays through the air when he was on offense. So we're getting an athlete. We're getting a guy that hopefully will get coached up and developed. I I think he's a depth piece piece for twenty twenty three, but he's certainly someone that I believe can grow into the position and become a major contributor slash starter in the years to come. So I am really excited about the the prospects of. What, what Spurlock can bring to the program.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I agree what you said about him being a a depth piece. I don't think that that he's quite there yet to be a starter. I mean, Florida's got guys that have been in the program a, a year already. Um, and, oh, Scooby Williams has been here two years. Shamar James also here uh, last year and made plays last year. But before we, before we write this guy off as someone that wasn't really that highly touted, let's just look – at My favorite thing, the high school offer list. It's not elite, but it's solid. Obviously, Michigan. Um, Auburn offered him. Mississippi State, Pitt, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt and Syracuse. So not elite. But there's you know, you got two SEC offers in there. Florida's not in a position to trash Vanderbilt right now because we lost to them. Mississippi State, another SEC program. Auburn, another SEC program. There were teams of not exactly New Year's Six caliber, but certainly of winning records in the SEC caliber in Mississippi State and South Carolina that thought enough of this kid to make him an offer. So I like that. Uh, I like the upside of him. I don't think that he is going to be a guy that we can expect to, to anchor that, you know, the middle level of the defense, but I think he could be a supplementary piece there. I think he could definitely contribute uh, probably in a way that, you know, maybe Shamar James did this past year. I think that may be uh, what we're looking at in the near future, but I like the upside. I like the playmaking ability. I like the athletic ability. So don't be surprised if he comes in and makes a, a fairly quick impact. Uh, Dustin, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I like Spurlock. I'm really glad that we got him, and obviously we need to fill bodies in that in that that part of the of the defensive unit. We certainly need linebackers. Um, I'm going to reserve my my gripe about our inability to uh, pull in some of the elites um, in the in the high school ranks, but I think Spurlock is is an excellent addition and something that that I really want to pull from it is he he did play for Michigan and. Michigan has won some football games. Michigan has been in two college football playoffs um, over the last two years. And though they haven't won it all, uh, Spurlock has experience playing winning football. He has experience uh, under the tutelage of um, now, I I think we can make an argument that, that Coach Harbaugh is now one of the better coaches in college football certainly has turned it around there at Michigan. He's been under that. I think that I think that, that is something that, that has been uh, undervalued in, in the discussion about Spurlock. And I think that's a big reason why Napier brought him on. Same with, with the, uh, the linebacker that we got from Ohio State. Um, I think it's important that we get guys that, that understand what it means to win. Uh, I think that, that'll go a long way in building the culture. It seems like every guy that we've gotten has been a culture builder and I'm excited about, about the, uh, the conversation we're going to have in a few minutes. And, and then because I believe we're, we're, we're going to be talking with a culture builder, I think that's super important. So that's my thoughts on Spurlock. I'm excited.
0: Well, yeah, as you mentioned, we actually didn't get to talk about the Ohio state guy that we got either to Roger Mitchell linebacker from the ohio state buckeyes we have not been back on the air since that happened so let's talk about him real quick too because that's another transfer portal piece that we got guys uh michigan and ohio state we are certainly taking players from programs that are among the top in the sport both of them college football playoff teams chris what's your take on Taraja mitchell
1: I really like the fact that it's a veteran presence. You know, we're losing Ventron Miller, who was the quarterback of this defense. And, and not say say that Roger Mitchell is going to come in and be Ventron Miller, but I think having a veteran voice, a guy with veteran experience, somebody that understands what it's like to be in an elite program like Ohio State is great for this locker room. And I, I do anticipate that he, he will be a contributor this year for this team. He's battled uh, an undisclosed injury this past year, but the year before that, he led the team or was one of the team leaders in tackles, huge contributor at the linebacker position there. And then the year before that, he actually played in the national championship game against Alabama. So this is a guy that's played in some big games and has contributed in a major way to a big time program. So I, I really do anticipate Roger Mitchell to make an impact early on at his you know, state of the University of Florida.
0: Yeah, so I talked about the the offer list with Spurlock, and I think it's really important to talk about that with Taraja Mitchell because the offer list for him paints the picture of an absolutely elite football player. Now, I understand he did not quite live up to that at Ohio State. Not totally his fault. Injuries are very rarely the fault of the player, if ever. But let's look at the offer list. So we know Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Florida, Georgia, LSU, Auburn, Miami, Notre Dame, Texas, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Penn State, South Carolina, USC. This guy has offers from pretty much every single top-notch program there is in the country. This kid has talent. This is a major talent that we got at the University of Florida. There's, I think, reason to believe he's going to get past his injury situation. I think we're going to be getting a if not fully healthy, a fairly close to a fully healthy version of Taraja Mitchell. I like the way from from his tape, I like the way he sifts through garbage. I like the way he can navigate his way through the clutter uh at and near the line of scrimmage to get to where he needs to be to make plays. He doesn't get screened out of plays that often. It happened, I think, a couple times against Alabama. Um but aside from that game it to, did not happen very frequently. So I like the idea that he's going to be able to come in, like you said, and be a veteran presence. And hopefully, obviously like, like you said, also, he's not going to be the next fan on Miller, but hopefully he can be that next veteran presence in the middle level of our defense and help mitigate the loss of Miller.
2: Yes. Well, not a consensus five-star Mitchell Mitchell is a five-star uh, coming out of high school. Um, we didn't really see that. Uh, During his time at Ohio State Unfortunately Um, But it's possible that a change of scenery Can really make a difference for him Uh, As you mentioned he had some injury issues But I look for him To really Electrify the defense Um, He's certainly a playmaker When he's in And I'm excited about his uh, Verified speed uh, As Billy Napier likes to say Um, He's quick uh, and I think he, I think he knows what he's doing. Um, and that's something that I'm excited about. He is pretty cerebral. And, uh, if he can learn the defense, then I think he's going to have an instant impact. He's somebody, while we can't say the same about Spurlock, I think that Mitchell's a guy that you bring in to start. He's someone that's coming on to Florida to, uh, really compete and start for one of the inside linebacker positions.
0: Yeah, I I pretty much agree with all of that. So next up, we've got Caden Jones. This one actually not a transfer portal guy. We got him from the high school ranks at the All-American game. So do not be fooled by his three-star status. He was rated as a high school All-American. That is something that a good number of four-star guys do not get. So definitely a nice feather in his cap there. Offer list from Texas A&M. FSU, LSU, Memphis, Minnesota, Mississippi State, Missouri, Nebraska, South Carolina, Texas, and West Virginia. Good offer list. Wouldn't, wouldn't call it a great one, but certainly a, a respectable one. Chris, your take on Caden Jones.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great get. We, we needed to get that fourth high school offensive lineman prospect. I really hope we continue to add to that position in the portal, but – I do believe that Caden Jones is a guy that is eventually going to potentially work his way into a starting role at Florida. Maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but eventually while he's in the program. He's got incredible size. He's six foot eight. He's over uh, 300, well, over 300 pounds. I think he's around 320 pounds if I saw that correctly. But, you know, just a raw prospect that if he's coached up right, I, I think he's going to be a really good player at the University of Florida. And I mean, you never know if we, if we don't, we, we've lost uh, two starting tackles or guys with starting experience at the tackle position this past year and Michael Tarquin and Richard garage. Austin Barber certainly is somebody, I think everybody's penciling in as one of the tackles, but there's a spot for another tackle to come in and take that position. So he's going to have his opportunity when he gets here in the fall to compete. I, I don't think he's somebody that, like I mentioned, starts in his first year, but Stranger things have happened in this program. We had Joan Taylor start uh, his freshman year at the University of Florida in 2016. So anything can happen. And, and Joan Taylor was a lower-rated prospect. So we'll see. We're, it obviously remains to be seen. But I, I'm excited that we we ended up getting him. I know that after his visit in December, uh, after leading for such a long time, people started saying it was a 50 50 battle with a And M, and things weren't trending and recruiting very well at that point. So people I think started thinking negative thoughts, but really good job for the staff to close this one out and, and get him uh, get him home to Gainesville.
0: Yeah, so the reason that after a six and seven year, and you know the little the little things that are happening behind the scenes that Gator fans are not very thrilled about right now, the reason why I stand firm in my belief of what Billy Napier can do is because he uh, from day one, he came into Gainesville and he said, that he's going to overhaul the trenches. And he said it repeatedly since he has talked about how he is going to make the offensive and defensive lines, a priority on the recruiting trail. And he has delivered. We know because we've talked about this in no shortage of great detail about all the different blue chip recruits he assigned on the defensive line, uh, all from the high school ranks, by the way. And you know, plus the guy, we're going to talk to in a few minutes in Cameron Jackson, but he has gone after the offensive line in a way that I think has gone under the radar a bit because Harris is a three star. Bryce Lovett is a three star. Oh, well, he's just a three star. That's not good enough. I wanted, a, I wanted a Kumola. I wanted, you know, whatever other guy that goes to Georgia, five star. Napier is getting guys that are all of a very high floor, caliber wise. There's no such thing as a bad take. Remember, he let Tommy Kinsler walk. There's no such thing as a bad take. He will not take someone that he feels is a reach. And he has just gotten another prospect in Caden Jones to go along with Roderick Kearney, the big four-star flip from FSU, along with two other guys who are definitely of respectable caliber. And now he's gotten an All-American in Caden Jones, who I think can, I don't know that I want to say he can play right away. I think he has some development to do. I think the weight is going to have to be uh, fine-tuned a little bit, but there is no debating the upside of him. He can be something very, very special for Florida. Doesn't mean he's going to be guaranteed to be. That's the whole game with recruiting. You never know who's going to pan out and who will not. But the upside for him to be a quality starter at the SEC level on the offensive line is certainly there.
2: Hayden Jones, in a football sense, has really been what I would call a late bloomer. And so what do I mean by that? Obviously, three-star, but if you look at his performance, if you look at his tape from the Army All-American practices, um, he's he's playing great amongst some of the best defensive linemen in the country. The fact that he started, he didn't just play in the All-American game. He started as an anchor for that offensive line in the Army All-American. You know, one of five starters on the offensive line, on his side, the east side. Okay. That is a big, big deal for the Gators. Um and one thing that I liked and a uh, tidbit that I found very intriguing is you had DJ Lagway right there at the game celebrating. If if DJ Lagway is celebrating the get of this big time offensive lineman, literally big time, that's I believe six eight, close to three thirty, um, I'm gonna celebrate too. Does he have the star power and maybe some of the other guys that we missed out on? uh, No, but is he a guy that in the next few years can make a big-time impact on this Gators offensive line and continue what has been uh, an incredibly successful unit over the past year under Billy Napier's first year? I think he's going to do it. So I echo what, what both of y'all said. I'm excited. Um, I look forward to seeing how he does uh, when, he, when he gets on campus. and Hopefully, hopefully by year two, he can be a starter. Do I think he'll be a starter in year one? Probably not. Um, hopefully, we don't need to get to that. Uh, but yeah, I look forward to
0: seeing how he does. Last but not least, we've got Micah Mazkua. Offensive line transfer from Baylor. We got that veteran presence there on the offensive line. Chris, what say you about the former Baylor Bear turned Gator?
1: Yeah, I think Micah is probably about as good and as close as you can get to replacing Cyrus Torres. not going to replace a consensus All-American. This is a guy that started 10 games last year for Baylor, was a huge contributor. Uh, on the 2021 team that made the Big 12 or won the Big 12. And I do believe that he is going to be potentially the starter at one of the guard positions if he indeed commits to Florida. So it would be a major get, power five, starting offensive guard, uh, somebody that has an incredible size and has put some good things on tape thus far at Baylor. And I'm not anticipating him to be an All American right away, but. You know he's got some eligibility left. I believe he's got three years of eligibility after this year. So somebody that can grow into the program, grow into the position, and it would be a a, a good win for this program because Nebraska, who's been hot on the transfer portal trail after him, as well as Auburn, who now has got their commitment today uh, from an East Carolina transfer. So they they're on fire, and we're beating we're beating some schools that have been pretty good in the portal. So good one for Billy Nathan and his staff on this one to get, to get some positive news in, in Gator nation.
0: Yep. I agree with that pretty much entirely uh, drag and drop piece into the offensive line. I think at least to start the year, like you said, I don't know that all American honors or even all sec honors are in his future, but I do think that he could be an, and at worst average at best, possibly very good offensive lineman for the Florida Gators. Certainly, C- certainly see him as someone being an above-average piece uh, for an SEC offensive lineman. Definitely think he can make an impact for the Gators early. And like you said, he's got some eligibility left, so hopefully he can be a player for Florida for a couple of years down the road. So, Dustin, what say you?
2: I think getting Mike is a huge deal. And while, like y'all have said, he's probably not going to be an Osiris Torrance, I do think he's a guy that you're bringing in to start. And based on everything that I've heard and that I've seen, um, I really think that he's going to make an impact for the Gators. Is he, Like I said, is he going to make that Osiris Torrance impact? Probably not. Um, but I do think he's going to make an impact. And I really look forward to seeing him on campus. And I look forward to seeing uh, what he does. And I, I think he will be the starter.
0: All right, boys. Well, before we call it a show, two quick pieces of business that we have to touch on before we sign off. Number one, shout out Gator men's basketball on turning things around. Big time back-to-back wins over Georgia and LSU. Always great to watch mid-major Mike take that L. And another feather in the cap of Todd Golden to beat Matt McMahon, who was actually one of the guys that a lot of Florida fans kind of wanted to. To replace mid major Mike over Todd Golden. So, those are two rivalry wins coupled, you know, those with his win over FSU earlier in the year. And if nothing else, you can say that Todd Golden at least knows how to beat his rivals. Number two, we are aware of an ongoing saga with QB signee Jaden Rashada. As of this recording, it is a very fluid situation with a lot up in the air still. We're not going to speak on something we do not have any finality on one way or another, but we are aware of it. And when the situation does resolve itself one way or another, we are going to be prepared to speak on it in greater depth. But for now, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the In All Kinds of Weather forecast. Got some big time shows coming up. Actually, we're going to break this one up and have defensive line signing Cameron Jackson come on on a separate show. We're going to break this up into two pods. We are going to try to keep pods a little bit shorter in 2023, unless there's absolutely no other way around that. Um, But for now, that's going to do it. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed our show, Please give us a five-star rating and a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We definitely appreciate that. Until next time, go Gators.